everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 46, uh, where I got to talk to a buddy of mine. Uh, we served together on my last submarine. He's an independent duty corpsman. Uh, awesome dude. Uh, very, very intelligent guy that I got to see kind of mature into a leader. Uh, he was a he was an HM1, uh, and then shortly after leaving uh, my unit, made chief in transit to his new command. Uh, so I get to talk to him about like kind of the IDC community, what it's all about, what the job is. Uh, and then we got into some interesting leadership development stuff uh, and got his perspective on being a first year chief and and what was different. Right. Because I got to experience him as a first class and now he's a chief learning to chief. Right. So got to ask some cool questions and have some good conversations about what that experience was like uh, and how it's working out for him. So check it out. What I what we'll do is like I know you've heard the episodes just uh, background first. So like just provide background as much detail as you want uh, on your from basically wherever you want to start when you join the Navy and then progression through commands and experience and then we'll get get rolling. Okay. Um, so uh, I started my Navy journey on March 17th of 2009 um, as an airman recruit. I went to boot camp and graduated, went down to Pensacola uh, for a school and uh, went out to my first command out in North Island, San Diego. Um, I worked there for two years and uh, made third off the test first time up. And then PTS and was for a, what? What rate was that in aviation? Aviation, mach- aviation machinist mate. So I was a okay. AD. Okay. Um, and uh, then performed to serve came out, and it was right around 2011 where, um, it, like a lot of the aviation ratings were overmanned and um perform to serve was a uh was a thing and um they basically seaway for those that don't know what pts is yeah yeah so it's a it's an old throwback term but yeah seaway um they offered me a lot of the a lot of all of the special programs rather um but uh it wasn't really anything that appealed to me and um offered me a couple of a couple of ratings different ratings they offered they did offer me cs on a sub and i said Hey. I will. <laughs> I'm never going to step foot on a submarine. Uh, of course, um, yeah. And Joke's then they you. said, "Yeah." Uh, they go, uh, "Well, they, we got this. Uh, there's also Corman. Corman's available." And it was 2011. And the war was still kind of pretty, uh, pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked that, and uh, I go to. I went to core school in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Lackland. Uh, Fort Sam Houston. Oh, and, I thought it was uh, on Lackland. Yeah, so Lackland was a little bit, uh, a little, just a little drive away, but that was the closest okay. Navy exchange that we had, um, which was weird because it's Lackland. Um, they have a next there. I thought it was like a PX or a BX or whatever. They do it. have a PX and it, but it's like it's a. It's I was an army a long base. Time ago. Yeah, uh, you're. It's probably the exact same. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, where M- MSA school was back in the day. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the MAA schools out there too. I may, I may be yeah, totally, yeah, they, totally they are. messed up. I'm, well, unless they moved, I, they were definitely there. Cause it was funny. We used to, um, <laughs> show my age a little bit. So we, uh, when I went to MSA school in 2002, um, they, so we got in a cab in our dress blues, right? Straight out of, out of boot camp. And we're like, hey, yeah, we're here for our school. And they're like, uh, oh, Navy. Okay. So they took us to this really nice building. There were sailors. And we're like, oh, yeah, this must be us. And we had no idea MAA school was there. And so this like MA2 walks up and he goes, uh, are you guys here for MAA school? We're like, no, uh, MS. They're like, oh, you guys are on the ghetto side of base. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're like, what? Because we're, we're over on Medina Annex. 
And so the cab's like, oh, yeah, Medina Annex. Okay, I know where that is. Takes us over. And it's like, it looks like an abandoned building, like the barracks that we were in. Like, it looked yeah, like, like something it was, out of The Walking Dead. Oh, my God. Know? Yeah, it looked like it was about to fall <laughs> over, man. And like when I first got there, we didn't have doors on our rooms because somebody had done something they weren't supposed to. So they took our doors. Mm, it's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one of those places where like on base, the, the cab driver is going to lock the doors. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it was sketchy up the to say the least. But yeah, I went to I went to core school in San Antonio. Um, I get a lot of I get a lot of crap from my my brother Corman because they're all like, you know, they're they're all from Great Lakes and mm-hmm. all that. But uh, yeah. there's there's a couple of us out here that are um, you know b- uh, boat roaches from uh, San Antonio. But um, yeah, so I I did my did my thing in San Antonio. I met uh, one of my very first sub IDC mentors. Um, and uh, I was just immediately like, it was like you meet you, one of those guys you meet and you lock on and you're like, that's the guy I want to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a sub IDC. He came to teach us, uh, uh, teach us new corpsmen what, you know, what to do. And I'm there as a fleet returnee. So um, they felt like they could kind of, you know, kind of relax a little bit about uh, around me. And, yeah. um, you know, I had some fantastic mentors through that schoolhouse uh, instructors and otherwise. Um, but this one guy really stood out and, um, you know, he, uh, he was just, he just kind of, he was the chief and he talked about like what he did as a, as a sub IDC on his boats. And, um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's, that sounds like that's a hard job. And that sounds like that's the kind of the tip top of the rating. Um, and me being the, uh, glutton for punishment I am, um, I was like, well, if that's the hardest job, if that's the best a corpsman can be, then I'm going to do that. <laughs> Sign um, me up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I graduated core school. I went and I became a uh, PSI or a program school input um, over at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton. What does that mean? So it's basically guys that are in, in like a holding unit, um, but they PTU. You're basically like you're a labor force for oh, okay, whatever. Gotcha. So you're on hold. Yeah, so okay. uh, like, I thought it was they like a, it- cor- a Corman term I didn't understand. I was like, because I, I guess on the last uh, episode I published, there was some stuff that people were like, they didn't know what it meant. So I'm trying to get better about asking about like acronyms or things I don't recognize. You know, I've never heard any other rating talk about program school input or PSI. Yeah, okay. um, so it may it may be a Corman thing. Gotcha. Um, uh, but yeah, I was waiting to class up for field med mm-hmm. and um Went to a field medical training battalion, formerly known as a field medical service school. So the old timers will be like, oh, this boot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went to FMTD West where they make real corpsmen. And, uh, you know, I, I was there from uh, January until March. Um, and I got to Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton and I worked on the med surge ward for a little bit. And then results came out and I became a uh, ALPO. And, um, I made second class off of that exam and I honestly thought I had failed it. So I was, Oh, nice. <laughs> it was like one of those, like I walked out of the test going, I'm going to get in trouble. I felt, I, yeah, I felt stupid off of most of the exams that I advanced off of. I don't know if that's a like psychological thing or what, but I, so I've heard kind of mixed reviews for that. Like they, people have said, Oh, the, the ones you feel terrible about are the ones you actually pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt terrible about all of them. And, um, <laughs> Uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, maybe there is some truth to that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I became the, uh, ALPO, uh, for med surge and ICU over at Naval hospital camp Pendleton. And then 
Uh, once my LPO transferred, I went to um, I stepped into the LPO position and uh, really, really learned what it was what it was to take care of junior sailors. Um, and uh, I started learning how to kind of play the you know play play the role as uh, as the LPO. I learned a lot about uh, Demers Eye and Slicata and the Corman listeners out there. If you're out there, you'll probably know be familiar with those terms at least. What are what are they? Uh, so it's uh, civilian time clocks, and um, so Demers Eye was something that everybody on the ward had to fill out, and it was it was basically your time card. Okay. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what Slicata is. I think it's the same thing. <laughs> okay. But, um, I thought but, yeah, there were Demers names I, when you first said it, so I was like, "What is that?" No, they're all gotcha. acronyms. All right. uh, the I is like a lower. It's all like capital letters, and then the I is a lowercase lot, lowercase I. Uh, so it's like, means like interactive or something like that. Gotcha. Um, but it's basically like the time cards. And, um, so I learned a lot about that and scheduling and, um, you know, did the, did the best I could over there. And, um, you know, I I knew that I wanted to be an independent duty corpsman. So I just kept pushing for that. Um, you know, C school detailer, uh, told me no a couple times. Um, and then finally was, he finally conceded and was like, all right, fine. This guy wants to do the hardest job a Cormac can do. Like, let's see what he's got. And I, I transferred to Naval Undersea Medical Institute in Groton, Connecticut. Um, and I spent the next 16 months in a classroom and, uh, graduated and put on first class, uh, because I got the, the requisite GPA and went out to, uh, my very first submarine out in Bangor, Washington. Oh yeah. And, uh, and that's where you yeah. met me. <laughs> that's where I met you. So for, yeah, for context, this is another one of those people that had to put up with me for several years. So we'll see. <laughs> I, you know, I would say it was, uh, you know, the first, the first part of our relationship was put up with a little the rocky second part. It was yeah. like, it was like, all right, you know what? He is, uh, he, you know, you, I will say, um, you genuinely cared about your guys and the quality and, and uh professionalism that came out of cs div um you know once you got there was absolutely remarkable you know not not to not to bag on the guy before you but yeah it was just there was a huge difference and um you know i I mean food's a big motivator for submariners and you know it it was it was i would say it was good i i ate everything i gained probably 25 pounds on the boat Yeah, we weren't doing too, too too terribly, I don't think. No, no, you guys did good. Um, you guys had a, you guys, God, like, people on the boat were like, Doc, I wouldn't want your job, but uh, I wouldn't want your job. You try really hard. You try really yeah. hard. Like, guys can, like. Uh, can never win. No, no. And like, there was one guy, I, I won't say any names, but you know, you know him very, very well. I'm sure. Um, he was the day sleeper chick guy. Uh, uh yeah yeah and you could tell that he wanted he wanted to do really good yeah and yeah. he tried and then it was like every time he tried something somebody inevitably would come in and submarine the whole thing up yep yep i was probably looking back in time i was probably a little too hard on that kid but he was there are people out there that like find my buttons and he was very good at that and it was just like i yeah, I had a hard time uh, not going from zero to 60 with him. Like I, I definitely went out of my way because I recognized it and I'd spend time explaining to him why I would get so frustrated with him. But I'm just like yeah. there were times like he just and I 
there's a I, I'd love to talk to him about it, but there's a large part of me that thinks he was doing it on purpose. I just I can't oh, imagine he was yeah, he's the ultimate troll. Yeah. yeah, he's he was one of those he was one of those guys that was so intelligent mm-hmm. and knew exactly what to say. And yep. he's you know, I for to this day, I've got nothing but love for that for that man. Like yeah. he, uh, you know, um, yeah, he's just he's just good people. Yeah. Um, and he, he was but, just extremely frustrating for me. Like, yeah. God. And yeah. it's like, dude. I, I get it. You're up all night keeping logs, keeping records, but he wasn't even staying that- to watch though. He had the like chillest deal ever. And he just, yeah, he would get distracted and like choose to watch the movie or talk or just talk to people on, on the mess decks instead of doing his job because Kimberly did everything he did after he got done with eight hours of watch and did a way better job. So it's just like, not that like he, that kid knew how to do it. And if he had applied himself in the same way, he would have been just as good if not better but he just yeah. didn't apply himself because he was on top of being really intelligent he was pretty lazy too so it's just Absolutely. like super hard 100 but he's spot. you know yeah yeah he um i mean you you mentioned uh you mentioned Campbell. like that guy was just a superstar like yeah. there was no there was no yeah yeah you just you couldn't you couldn't do i feel like you couldn't do better than yeah i don't i can't imagine how i could i i was super lucky to have him try not to use names i'll bleep him out but um yeah <laughs> but yeah man, i only I, said it because you did i did not i did <laughs> yes, not you did i'll go back you and listen totally to did. it i might have <laughs> i might have absentmindedly said it but yeah i it's hard to it's hard to compete with a with a guy that's as high functioning as he is so it's yeah. And that and might have been he's going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to light the world on fire. So absolutely. Yep. So then what but you, the other, you, the oh, other sorry, guy just, you know, he he uh, you could tell he tried. He he you did. Know, he wanted, cared. He wanted sure. to try. Yeah, he, did. he definitely um, cared. He just he just got beat up. Uh, I feel like he got beat up and then was like, oh, you know, and, and then at a certain point, I feel like some of these guys, they, you know, they're like, well, you know, this sucks and I'm just going to get out. And then they make up their mind yep. that they're going to get out and yep. then they go and they work at like the gas station. And then they're like, yeah, I, really and I, wish I, was bad. I don't know if he was too far gone, but he was pretty far down that path when I checked in. So it was like, I don't know if that was recoverable in any way anyway. You know what I mean? Like if I had got if I had shown up and just had all the right moves leadership wise, if I could have kept him in or or just at least adjusted his attitude it was just i think he had already kind of made his mind up and yeah and some i mean sometimes that's that's just the way it goes yeah man so what uh what after after that for submarine what like where you at now so um after i left after i left the boat um i transferred out to back out to um groton connecticut and mm. uh currently teaching yeah so what so- yeah. What does uh, and like because uh, you were mentioning before we started recording the manning issue you guys are having. So like what just for familiarization's sake, like because that's one of the things that I do like to do if if at all possible is if there's any junior corpsmen out there listening, like which I know there are, um, give them an idea of like what an IDC's world consists of. Like what is the what is the job, uh, the primary duty of being an IDC entail? So. um I mean, in all reality, the, the job of like my job on the boat was to take care of you guys. Um, and, and that, I mean, that can mean a a number of different things. Like I, um, there were times that I was, you know, I had to be their, uh, their chaplain sometimes, you know, I had to, um, and not necessarily in a religious sense, but Mm -hmm. like I had to just, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to listen. Um, 
I was the guy that they 100% knew they could come and talk to and that I, you know, it, I was the built in, the, the guy that cared even yeah. when they felt like nobody else did. And do you guys um, get training for that piece? I always wondered that because, because that was always the answer when somebody was having anything that even resembled like a mental health struggle or even just like really high stress or whatever. It was like, if we were underway, it was go get doc. And it's like, does he even, are we just defaulting to what we believe to be the easy button? Or do you guys actually get some kind of training on that? So we get, um, we do get like a clinical, like the clinical side of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, there's always two types of patients. You got the, uh, you got the clinical patient and then you've got the emotional or the spiritual patient, right. right? Um, you got the patient as a body, and the patient as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so we got, we do get training and different diagnosis, uh, or diagnoses, um, different exam techniques and questioning techniques and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, I would say that 90% of my mental health cases were just, were people that, you know, you, you have to know the the person you have to kind of know what makes them tick. And we did have some legitimate, um, psychological disorders, um, in patients, but, um, a lot of times it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily a medical thing. It was more of a, an emotional thing right. or they had something secondary to that. Yeah. Um, like a big stressor. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. There was one individual who had a lot of stuff going on at home mm-hmm. and you know, he was, uh, it, and it compounds like, it, I don't yeah. care who you are, sure. you know, you've got stuff at home. It, they say, you know, they always say, try to leave work at work and home at home. Um, but you know, with, with our, the way that our lives are as submariners. And I think as sailors in general, um, you know, you, it's, it's not a part-time job. It's a full-time life. And it's hard to kind of delineate where, you know, where home ends and where work begins. So you're, you're, you are affected by the things that go on at home or the financial issues or, you know, um, and I'll never forget this one guy, he had issues going on at home, uh, with his, with his siblings and his mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it kind of translated into his work life and you say, you, you know, his chief noted a degradation in his performance and, you know, just, it seemed like to the, to the patient, it seemed like the chief was just kind of always on his butt. Right. Um, you know, and to an extent it it was, you know, the chief's holding him accountable at, at face value because, you know, this guy wasn't necessarily very comfortable or maybe, maybe hadn't gotten to that with, uh, gotten to explaining what was going on with the chief or, you know, um, I mean, long, long and short of it, right. There was a lot of, you know, different factors going on that ultimately ended up in this, in this guy feeling so out of control, uh, with his work and with his life that felt like the only thing he could control was, you know, um, you know, what he was feeling and what he thought he wanted to do or what he was, you know, they, they call them, they call them ideations and things like that. And what he was thinking he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and after he was removed from that, after the uh, kind of the external factors uh, got situated and taken care of, um, he was able to make he was able to get you know a second chance on another boat, and he was doing really really well. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that that happens. Yeah, those uh, are my favorite ones, man. Where like the uh, so my counterpart when I was there on the boat uh, had and I'm sure you're aware had issues, and I I just got to do his inspection recently. And it's like he's flourishing on another submarine. And it's the big 
culture shift got like personal life got squared away stressors got removed and then he went to the perfect crew where the chief's quarters is incredible the culture there's amazing he's got the best cob ever and it's just like it's it all the difference in the world man like i almost and above standards which is the highest grade you can get and it's just like i I couldn't believe it because it's like not the same guy and he was like we talked about it for a little while and it was just like he was apologizing for what happened and how I had to deal with like the repercussions of him not being all there and having the issues that he did. And, but like, just to see him recover like that and, and be absolutely flourishing. And to the point where we're like sitting at the outbrief talking about how he's one of the best department chiefs we've ever seen. He's super engaged. He's taking care of everybody. And it's like super obvious to everyone that he's he wants to take care of his his people and it was i i was like couldn't believe the words were coming out of my mouth it was incredible yeah. so it was really those are the my like my favorite stories well yeah and like uh you know to quote a uh kind of a, a mutual i guess a mutual um I, I, the term's failing me but somebody that we both worked for right. worked with um you know sometimes sometimes people need to take a knee and at one point yeah. At a certain point, everybody needs to take an E and, um, you know, the, the fact that he was, he was, he had the opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of take a breath, take a step back and take care of what he needed to, um, you know, like, like you said, he's, he was able to go to a different, a different command, right. uh, get into a different scenario situation, right? Because he, that's not going back to the same command is not the right answer. Right. For that right. Yeah. It definitely would not have been the move. Um, but you know, he, he got what he needed to taken care of. He took care of himself and then now he's, he's able to, you know, like he it's, you know, that those are those success stories that, you know, we, I feel like we could see a lot more if we, you know, as leaders kind of recognized when those sailors need to do that. And there's this, it's this absolute disgraceful stigma with mental health, you know, submarining is hard. Um, you know, and people are afraid to go and get help and then they ultimately end up I either, you know, running into a situation where they say something or they think or they feel some way or, you know, God forbid, they they actually do something. Yeah, um, I just, you know, I was talking to and I think it was the last one I published. I can't remember. I was talking to somebody recently about emotional intelligence and how like it's not programmed into us as we come up and as we're developed as leaders, which in and of itself is lacking as we come up. Right. And that's, that's why I do this, this podcast is like to try to in my own small way, address that gap in the, in the development piece. But it's just like, we never talk about that stuff. And it's, so it's just like it, at no point is it made okay. And and that's evolving now. Like there's a warrior toughness program and there's all these other things yeah. where like just these mental health awareness campaigns where people are trying to normalize those things. But it's like, it, it's never been like weaved into our DNA for it to like be okay to have those conversations, especially on submarines where it's just yeah, like, well, nobody's got time to like poke their head up and, and take that knee a lot of the times because the schedules are so absurd that it's like, and then the, also the pressure of like, if I, if I take that knee, somebody else has to plug that gap. They're got to pick up my load and start carrying it. And so everybody feels guilty about that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just like, it's, well, yeah. And it's then rough. you, you got to worry about, you know, submariners. I think you said in a previous episode, submariners, we eat our own, yeah. like we eat our young for yeah. sure. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're dealing with a different, I, I, I wouldn't even call it a different generation mm-hmm. of sailor. 
but it kind of is to an extent. You know, I just think um, when we say that, it's just like they're they're more intelligent and more emotionally intelligent, but then they're not. Those things aren't addressed at any level or able to be addressed when they have issues. And so it's like, they don't know how to, how to cope with that. And it's like, so they're, they get to the point where they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And whatever that means, whether it means separating or whether it's ideations or, or or what have you, it's just like, yeah, it's there. They have more emotional intelligence than we do. And it's just like, they don't know how to cope in an environment that's completely run by these just emotionally ignorant humans. You, you said it your you said it yourself these new guys are coming in and they're much more emotionally intelligent than some of the some of the people that are kind of a little bit more senior yeah you know? for sure um I think it's I think it's on us to learn how to yeah I mean I just went through the season I'm, I'll be you know I'll admit that right now I'm, yeah you know I'm we'll talk about that here. later yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know part of the part of the thing like I there we uh we had a really good discussion, really good uh, lecture from one of the uh, one of the cobs out here in yeah. Groton, and um, he talked about it. He's like, "Hey, how many of you guys think that there's an issue with these millennials? Like, all they do is they <laughs> complain and blah blah blah." And we, you know, a couple of us raise our hand. I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll admit I raised my hand. Um, and he's like, "What's wrong with this? Like, they want they want information. They right. want they want to understand what it is that they're doing. Right. Like, it's uh, it's on us as leaders to speak their to learn to speak their language because." At the end of the day, the Navy is going to end for for you and for me, mm. and you know they're going to be the ones that are left here. And we want to, you know, the, it's the Navy isn't a thing; it's a tan, it's not a tangible thing. It's a, if anything, it's like a spiritual or a cultural thing. It's yeah. a it's a corporation, and it's you know made up of a bunch of people, and people are different. Yeah, I and, would say um, the, like it's just like a cultural group of people and it changes with the with cultural yeah. norms right so it's like these because i like maybe i was just like patient zero or near it right where it was like i was that sailor that was like why 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 <laughs> like this doesn't make sense why are we doing this and this was in 2002 and i'm like just getting my soul destroyed back then and i always i had an attitude problem and a big mouth and i should shut it and uh, you don't get to ask why I just shut up and color, you know, and it was like I had a really hard time with that. Um, yeah. And as I got promoted, it became like it slid from problem to asset, obviously, which I thought was hilarious. It's a conversation I have with a lot of new chiefs where that big mouth attitude problem. I'm too aggressive, blah, blah, blah. turned into you're assertive and you have command presence. Yeah. And it's like a nothing yeah. changed. I'm the same dude, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I just think like it, I understand that struggle with it and it drives me absolutely bananas that like, cause what is wrong with it? What is, wrong with having them understand why because if you make them understand why then they're going to be a lot more willing to do the thing you want them to do which is the whole point of leadership anyway so it's just like exactly like what, if you what want is wrong buy, with if you want buy-in from a group of young people you gotta you gotta be able to sell it it's right. all like people are say like people dealing with people is 100 sales mm-hmm. and you know you gotta you gotta make them want to do it because at the end of the day, yeah, if you tell them to do something, they're going to do it because, you know, maybe. they're in the military and yeah, that's maybe. what you do. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And are they going to do it all the time? Are they going to do it to the level that it needs to be done? Yeah. Uh, 
or are they going to do like their their best effort? And right. if you want their best effort, you like they have to they have to want to do it. Yeah, man. I started I, talking about discretionary effort recently. I heard yeah. a, the, I forget it was in an audiobook I was listening to. Um, I forget which one, but where they're talking about like everything from the baseline bare minimum required to pull a paycheck and not get fired all the way up to like top level performer is all discretionary effort. Like I don't have to do anything other than clock in and be a pea sailor and, and not step across any, any lines where there's like clear UCMJ like boundaries. Other than that, I don't have to do anything else. And that's the standard we've communicated as like as a, as naval leadership through policy, through the in, enlisted evaluation manual. Like all yeah. I have to do is be promotable. Everything else is on you as a leader to figure out how to get out of me. That's all discretionary. Yep. And that, that was I. It's funny you mentioned that I uh, I grew up in the Navy under that same assumption where it's like I if I showed up on time, I shaved my face and I wore the right uniform, I was going to get a three dot oh, it was yeah. going to be a 3.0 no matter no matter what I did. Um, and it was like, how am I going to get above and beyond? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to boost my eval um, to, and that was where like, you know, you, you immediately as a junior sailor, you're like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, do these collaterals mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll yeah. just wear a smile on my face. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, you know, that's you not s- what it is. Like but, I, I yeah. showed up, I didn't get in trouble. Why don't I have a NAM? You yeah. Know? <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I, go ahead. Yeah. um, You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, how do you motivate somebody to want to do these hard jobs and do them well when, you know, the juice isn't really worth the squeeze Mm -hmm. to them? You know, you gotta, you gotta find a way. We have to find a way to, to make that, uh, to make that a reality for them. Right. You know, and I mean, circling back to, you know, what we were talking about offline here, um, you know, the, the, the submarine IDC community is, is, um, it's a very small community and, you know, we're, we're kind of hurting for numbers. Um, you know, and, and it's, it kind of comes in waves and, you know, like we're always going to man the mission. We're always going to, you know, we're always going to do what we have to do, but it's, you know, what do we, what do we as leaders, as these sub IDCs need to do to, you know, kind of motivate and inspire the junior sailors to, to get into, you know, come to school. And it's, yeah. you know, it's things like, it's things like, um, what most of us can't really, can't really articulate or can't really explain. Um, like I could tell you all day long that, you know, Hey, yeah, being a sub IDC is, it's good for, for promotion and advancement because, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time it is, um, a lot of the times it is, I won't say yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Right. But um, there's something like you get this job satisfaction where it's like, you know, that this job is tough, you yeah. know, that the job is something that less, you know, I mean, because the military makes up like, what is it, one or two percent of the population of yeah. the United States. And then of that one percent or two percent of the population of the United States that is is in the military, less than one percent of that population is a submariner. Right. And even a, an even smaller percentage <laughs> of that is a sub IDC. Right. right. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think being a hospital corpsman is the best rating in the entire Navy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you would be, you would be yeah. incorrect, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours about nah, that. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I, but you know, and it's, you know, how do, how do I explain to that, that motivated HM2 that's like, I really want, I really want to do the, the, like this, this 
freaking badass job. But I, know? I think because that's how you do it, right? Like I, I don't, I don't think we put enough um, emphasis on communicating that type of a message to to sailors is like not not that it's hard right but that it's rewarding like this is where the good stuff is like this is the job that like you saw a recruiting poster and you're like oh wow that looks like i could gain like this sense of fulfillment by being part of something that's greater than myself and and that thing that you were looking for when you walked into a recruiting office like you can find it here and i think that that's something that we do, like and you can find it everywhere like when i say that it's like there every community has the ability to do that and i don't think we put enough emphasis on that piece of the puzzle like i think we just get caught up in like we have all these admin requirements and we have all this maintenance and we have all these things we need to all these boxes that need to get checked so we can go to see it and do the mission and it's like we don't spend enough time talking about and communicating to the people doing the mission how incredibly important what they're doing is and like the some of the history and heritage behind it and like because not because that like history and heritage is important because it's on your eval or fit rep but because you're a part of that story now like you're wearing well, yeah, you're wearing like, dolphins on your chest so am i you're wearing yeah like that's you're, you got that's that important. Was, i gotta say as as corny as diggity as it sounds um dig it is a submarine term for yeah those of you that are not submariners <laughs> we talked um, about it, yeah yeah, but uh, you know, as as much of a dig it as it as I sound saying it, but wearing fish on my chest is has got to be the coolest. It like it just it's cool. Like it's the it's the oldest uh, warfare insignia that exists. It's um, you know, and like the fact that not just anybody can can get you know can get these dolphins. You got to be a submariner. You got to volunteer for this. Right. You know, we go. You got to go under like, yeah, you got to earn earn it. it. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, it's yeah, I you you got you go under under the ocean Mm -hmm. for months at a time where, you know, yeah, maybe you don't have somebody shooting at you, but you've got this gigantic like force of nature that is trying to get inside the people tank trying to kill you at at all times (laughs) and everything on the boat everything on the everything on the submarine is is also trying to kill you at all times it's it's all hard it's all sharp and it's all unforgiving right the human body is much softer than the submarine is and it's like you know and in order to in order to get these dolphins you gotta you gotta do that and you gotta prove to not just yourself but the rest of the crew Mm -hmm. that like when things go bad you can you can do it like you can you can right like i'll remember uh one of our last patrols we had a um we had a small uh thermal incident uh in the laundry room (laughs) i saw there was there was a message i that's probably where you got it from that came out about a boat that had a had a fire in a uh radio room or something and they called it a thermal incident because they didn't want to use the word (laughs) so if if you would remember uh in fact i believe it was uh somebody somebody that we are both very close uh close to yeah um was was washing laundry one night yeah yep i do remember the the outboard (laughs) the outboard dryer uh started to smoke and there was an acrid odor that emitting from it and he secured power to it and then put up a, a sign that said, yeah. do not use thermal, in- you know, thermal yeah. event. Um, and we laugh about that. Didn't it's tell like, oh anybody, didn't call anybody. And then somebody else went back yeah. to check on him. The other kid we were talking about went back yeah. to check on him earlier. And uh, 
and was like, what's that? Like, and he explains it to him like it's no big deal. And he goes, did you tell anybody? Did you call anybody? And that's what finally. Like, no, I secured power. We're good. Yeah, it's all good. Um, fixed it. But yeah, like I'm so part of being a corpsman, right? You, you know, you, you, you develop this um, kind of this overprotective, you know, emotion for the guys on your boat. Right. right. Like, and it's not everybody, right? There's the guys that you really don't, I'm just joking. There's <laughs> it's everybody. Yeah. It's everybody. Whether you like it, you know, you like it or not for better or for worse. Yeah. Everybody. Right. And, um, you know, so you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and then they'll call away a casualty back aft and you're like, Oh no, my, my God, my people are back there. Like I got to go get them because that's what we as corpsmen are, are like brought up yeah. to do. Um, I would, you know, when they call f- you, if you tried to run back. There. <laughs> well, yeah, 100%. That was one of the biggest, that was one of the biggest shifts for me yeah. when I got to the boat. Cause you get trained to run was, towards it and it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I could don an, I could don an EAB. Well, yeah, pretty fast. Sure. I could, yep. you know, I could do all of that stuff and I know how to fight fires. And we had a, we had a thermal event, uh, one of our last patrols and I was down in lower level, uh, working out. And I hear, you know, a bunch of thumping and footsteps and people yelling and shouting, call it away, call it away. And then I run up there, I grab a I grab a fire extinguisher. I run up there and they're like, doc, what are you doing? Get out of here. here. Yeah. I'm like, oh no. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I'll just run away. (laughs) Let me, hey guys, I just want to be part of the team. I just have to be here. For everybody's context, (laughs) like independent duty corpsman in the truest sense of the word, as in we only have one doc. And it's like, if he gets broken, we are all absolutely effed, especially if we're in some kind of a mass casualty situation or like a huge fire where a bunch of people are injured because like there's an emergency medical assistance team, which is usually my guys, the CSs, uh, that they're they're trained ish, but like they're not they're in, trained as well as I can train. Yeah, them. they're not independent duty corpsmen. So like we have one medical professional on board, so he needs to be at effectively like all the way at the rear at a casualty collection point, and that's where you need to be set up shop. And we will bring the broken people to you. So that's why that's that's why we're saying that. Like get out of here. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. And it's, you know, at, at the time I was like, I, you know, I know what my responsibilities yeah, yeah, are yeah. and I'm like, you know, I, I don't have to like it. I just have to do that type <laughs> thing, you yeah. know, but I get up there. It was, it was that second nature thing. Yeah. Where you, I wasn't you even, even thinking think. about you just it. just do. Yeah. And I was like, I got this. I ran. I, and you remember that ladder going from lower level up to uh, machinery, machinery room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm climbing up that thing with a heavy freaking fire extinguisher. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, here, guys, don't worry. I'm here to help you. Yeah. They're like, no, man, get out of here. Like, That's funny. Um, but, you know, that's that's what being a submariner is. It's, you know, they always talk about, you know, we drill and we drill and we drill. And everyone puts on Don's battle dress and they put their gloves on. They put their flash hoods on. But when a real casualty happens, you'll see. Um, and it's, I mean, everybody's kind of has the same sort of story. You, you don't see guys putting on battle dress. You see chiefs in their shower shoes and a <laughs> towel putting out yep. a fire, you know, and, um, that's what, that's what being a submariner is because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you play dungeons and dragons on your off time or you, <laughs> you know, you spend more time, you know, more time on, uh, you know, on Warcraft than, you know, anybody else. Um, yeah. When it comes down to, you know, something bad happening that could potentially risk your brothers on the boat, your brothers and sisters on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's what being a submariner is. And that's, that was one of those things where coming, you know, I, ha- I have a little bit of a kind of a varied background in the Navy, but 
coming to submarines was like it was you know that's that's what being that's what being a sailor being a team a team member you know being part of that you know that cohesive unit means and i think that that's what we you know i think the navy could really take a page out of our playbook mm-hmm. across the board when it comes to that you know yeah i think for for all our faults of which there are many that's one of the things that we do really well is and i i got to that was, what was cool is i got to talk to we took the female enlisted riders on that last i think it was a little second to last patrol and i got to have conversations with them about like how it's different and stuff and and um it, that was one of the biggest feedbacks that I got across the board was talking to them and they were just like, that's what they loved about it. And they, they got really lucky. A lot of them with the division they were in, uh, the a gang chief was really, really great at creating that, that sense of family and a, appreciation for submarine heritage. But it was like, even so it was like they interacted with a, all of them said the same thing, like that there's torpedo men, there was cooks. There was like a lot of diversity in that group. And they all were just like, this is way better like it's we feel like we belong to a a family and to a team and like we have a lot of pride in being submariners and it's it was really cool to to see that contrast because they were so it was such a fresh perspective because they all were prior enlisted on surface ships or in other communities and then they come to our community so they have that point of comparison unlike like a non-qual coming from sub school so it's pretty interesting yeah well, and you you know they they feel like they're part of a, part of a, a family, part of a you know they're like the community because they are you right. Know, it was, um, and I I I chalk that up to you know you guys on the boat. Um, you know we we the reason they uh, the reason they felt that the reason they felt what it was to be a submariner is because the leadership on the boat has like has promoted that and instilled that. And we had, um, God, we had some great guys on the boat. We had some yeah, really, really we good had guys. A great chiefs mess. Yeah. Um, the one you were talking about that, that a gang chief, mm-hmm. um, to this day, I have nothing but like, like that is one of the best people I've ever, I've ever met, ever worked with, mm-hmm. you know, he's just, he is, uh, it. Like uh, you want to talk talking about tradition. Do you remember? Uh, I don't know if it was last, the last patrol or the patrol before that. Um, a couple of guys got advanced and the attacking he had the us crow. back. Yeah, yeah, he had us back. Like, and I was so proud to be to get to be part of that tradition yeah. where um, we like each of us got to throw a stitch into mm-hmm. their into their collar devices on their on their FRVs. Yeah. And um, I got to go back there and watch it. Part of it happen because I was just like, man, this is so cool. Like I've always because we talked about doing that at the A school and I couldn't get anybody to buy into it. And I was just like, wow, like, really, you guys don't want like I feel like this would be really cool. Um, And yeah. So when he did it, I mean, I almost cried, man. I was like, I just talked about it with the last I think the last interview I did. And it was just like it was so amazing. And you could see that how meaningful it was to the the people that got advanced. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that you know, like really puffs their chest out mm-hmm. with that, that, that kind of intrinsic pride, right? They, you know, I, maybe it's an extrinsic, t- extra, extrinsic thing too. Sorry, I can't English uh, right yeah. now. Um, but, uh, you know, you watch these guys after that, you know, and they just, they're walking around, they're like, these are, you know, they're, their whole family's behind them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, the, I remember going down there and I just, you know, I just wanted to watch and that was, you know, that was as I was comfortable and, and, uh, okay with that being the extent of my participation. But right. when I had one of them like say, Hey doc, would you throw a stitch into my, into my crow? I was like, Oh my 
I, it floored me. It yeah. floored me. Yeah. He actually, and, um, he actually asked me and I was like, this isn't my thing, man. I just want to watch. Like, I appreciate like, cause he was the, the chief was like, I think he was, it was some sort of weird deference or something. I'm like, no man, no, no, no. Like I, I'm here to observe. This is your thing. I want the people yeah. that have ownership and a stake in this to do that. That's their thing. I don't want to take it away. I just want to watch because it's so, so damn cool. <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah. It was one of like one of the most memorable, memorable, memorable things I, I ever experienced in my entire yeah. career. Yep. Um, you know, and uh, it's, you know, I, I actually work with a like a fantastic guy out here. Um, and uh, a little backstory on this guy. He spent five years on his boat um, as a as an IBC because wow. he just really, really liked it, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. He said, you know, he, we were always talking about, you know, like he, you know, he sat dive and he was in section and everything wow. like that. And uh, yeah, like the guy is a super, he got, he got, he's the only person I've ever met that got a straight up 5.0 eval. Um, I've, yeah, I've met and, a handful, but they're unicorns. Like it, it does yeah, happen, this, but they're unicorns. This guy is a unicorn by the definition. He's That's got crazy. the freaking rainbow, the rainbow tail and everything. Um, but uh, he said, you know, why would you want to stay home with your family when you could go underway with your loved ones? <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's 100 percent what? what it is. Yeah, it's 100 percent what it is to be a submariner. Yeah. You know, um, we love each other. We hate each other. And, yeah. uh, you know, being a being a corpsman, you know, you, we come to we come to submarines later in our careers. Um, like you have to be an E5. You have to have so much time and rate and so much time and service mm. and everything like that. And then you got to go through this really, really tough school. And then you go out to your boat and that's where you really get held to the fire. And, um, you know, when, once you prove yourself, because every submariner has to, um, you know, you become this like integrated into this family and, mm -hmm. you know, at times you feel like you don't really fit in anywhere, but at times you feel like you fit in everywhere. Yeah. Like I could walk back to the galley and it wasn't, you weren't, you wouldn't look at me like, you know, doc, what are you doing here? It was right. like, Oh, Hey doc, what's up? You know? Hey, this is your space too. Yeah. Um, I would, I could walk down to machinery too and be like, they'd be like, Hey doc, what's up? You yeah, know, yeah. uh, you want, you want some coffee? We got some coffee over there. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. You know, you feel like the only time I ever got any, uh, you know, any, uh, crap for going anywhere was when I walked back to the engine room Yeah. and the nukes uh, back there are like, are you lost? Yeah. Like, you know, every, like, <laughs> every time I said duty chief, they'd be like, what are you doing back here? Are you lost? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. Give me your logs. And they'd freak them out. Cause I'd, I'd review like the SRO logs and stuff. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Do you even know what that means? I'm like, I don't know some of it. <laughs> I know like, what hey, a high and low limit there. looks like. And if it's not within that, then you guys are effed up. And I caught him too a few times that they were like uh oh like because i because oh, yeah. i would flip the script on them and just be like oh thank god the cook chief's here to catch your discrepancies plan <laughs> on taking any logs <laughs> shut down reactor operator like what the like it was pretty funny i just yeah. have fun with them but yeah it was good i loved i love that and you like you're one of those guys that uh you're absolutely a chameleon so you'll, you'll go back to the engine room and they'll be like oh what's you know what's he doing back here right and then you go, you do exactly that. And they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, don't mess with don't mess uh, with senior chief over yeah. here. He's like, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, or you get guys like uh um, you know, EDMC mm. and uh, you know, the guy like who would do just like, you know, like ran like crazy math in his head. Yeah. Um he'll do like some rain man like math, he's like, like he's, yeah, he's like drawing in the air. It's a computer. 
Like, yeah, he's a human human computer, and he'll go up and sit dive and like do really yeah. well at it. And you're like, oh my god! What was like, crazy is- was he was like a computer, but he was also like a really personable, hilarious. Like he had a lot of personality, which usually you get one or the other. Like not yeah. like not that people full of personality don't also have intelligence, but like the level of intelligence that this guy has, like, and to also be able to like have like a normal social interaction on the way and the level that he could he was like jesus they need to study this guy like that's ridiculous yeah, like he was 100 percent an anomaly yeah um, for sure i was actually just talking about him today to some of the uh some of the guys at the uh, schoolhouse here with me and i'm like yeah this guy he calculated like however you know however many gallons it was per mm-hmm. inch on the um uh we, we had to we had to come up with some some uh temporary fix for determining the the you know how much potable water we had in the tanks right. and uh he calculated how much how much water per inch was on this like length of tigon tubing just by doing it in his head and i'm like <laughs> and then it's like yeah, yeah he's gonna he's gonna write some like extensive math equation on some stained glass window and then jump on his harley and you know ride yeah. to his rock band rehearsal yeah. and stuff it's, it's like, yeah <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. Like, he's he an alien. From Planet Earth. Yeah, he's an like, alien. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like uh, he's got to be there a robot alien, or an alien. If there are aliens among us. He's one of them for sure. He's got to be. That's yeah, hilarious. he's definitely lizard people. But <laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Like when I left the boat, um, I left the boat about you know little a little more than six months ago and uh walking off the boat was a very bittersweet because we were uh, we were in shipyard we were in the barn yeah. and uh or we i left before we even oh got yeah okay there. gotcha yeah so did um I. I guess you left I'm just walking, before me huh yeah i was just uh, before me yeah like for one july okay um, yeah i i was we had just we had just like dead sticked over to the yard is when i checked out yeah Part of me is like, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, um, I was glad I left but, when I did for sure. Because, ugh, shipyard. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, but I'm walking down that long pier out in uh, EHW. And, yeah. you know, I like did one of those like, you know, lifetime movie. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to look over my shoulders and really see if the boat's going? like looking at me. And, you know, it was, it was bittersweet because it was a, it was a very, very challenging tour. And, uh, but at the same time, you know. Um, I don't know that I've ever felt, uh, like a stronger, like, uh, connection to a group of other human beings in my entire life, you know, like, um, like the, these were, these, these weren't just like my shipmates. These were like, this is my family and I'm walking away from my family. And, um, you know, I still, I still think about like, you know, how's so-and-so doing? I wonder, I wonder if he's, you know, I wonder if he's okay. And, you know, uh, for a little while, because, you know, the, um, recall cards don't get updated as often as they probably should. Right. Uh, I was still getting, I was still getting phone calls. Yeah. Like, hey doc, uh, this is so-and-so just wanted to see if uh, you're going to be in the office today to, you know, so I need you to sign my high risk training, you know, my high risk screening form. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm in, I'm in Connecticut right now. Um, <laughs> so no, like, Oh, uh, can like, wait, wait a second. Is this old doc? Yeah. It's like, oh man, I'm old doc. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're you know? old doc. <laughs> but yeah. That's funny. But I got, I got excited. Like I get excited when guys reach out and they're like, yeah, no, yeah. You know, I still, you don't, it's one of those, it's one of those things. I don't know. Yeah, man, I feel, I I feel you. It's fun. Cause like I, I'll run into people all the time, 
on uh, just on base, not just and having done it as long as I have, it's like not from not just uh, from our boat, but like previous boat and boat before that and other shore duty. It's just like it's really cool to like get to catch up with those people and see how they're doing and see how they progress and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I so mean, yeah, like, let's. I, I want to cir- just circle back and and see like uh, and forty. Yeah, I'm a, I, forty minutes I'm ago, chat. I asked you <laughs> if uh, if like yeah, just I'm a with, chatty cat. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. I, I see a squirrel and just go down that rabbit hole because I want to see oh, where yeah. it's going. But uh, with just like what the duties and responsibilities piece of just generally like so that people have awareness of it of like what a submarine IDC does so that if anybody is listening if it's something they're interested in, like you don't got to go into grant any granularity, but just give them like a, a big picture. This is what they do for a living. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God, was that 40 minutes? It was, it was pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So what it is to be a sub IDC, um, you are the sole medical provider for a hundred, for a crew of about 165 to 170 people. Um, you are uh, you are a one man you're a one man show. Uh, you run the medical department. Uh, you run the radiation health department. Um, so you're in addition to being the senior medical department representative, uh, you're also the rad health officer. Um, you're the preventative medicine authority. So you do galley inspections and you do habitability and birthing inspections. Uh, you test the water. Um, you also uh, you run the the NAVOSH and um, safety program. Uh, you're a member of the, depending on what platform you go to, um, you're a member of the nuclear weapons safety council. You're a member of the ship safety council. Um, you are, sometimes you're the emergency medical technician. Sometimes you're the, the, the chaplain. Sometimes you're the psychologist. Sometimes you're the big brother. Sometimes you're the dad. Sometimes you're the, the petty office, the, you know, the first class petty officer or the chief petty officer, um, you know, you got to be a submariner, you got to be a corpsman, you got to be everything, you got to yeah. be nothing. <laughs> You're everything to everybody you know? all the time medically. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you know, um, you got to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um with the exception of medicine, you should probably. Yeah, be I, I, I was going to say, um, I would hope that I was thinking that in my head. I'm like, I hope you were a master of medicine or pretty close. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a whole doctor, but I'm, you know, pretty like close. A doc, yeah. you know? Well, it's like uh, we had a we had a couple of VIPs come down and, you know, they're taking a tour. And then one of our missile techs is uh, he walks by and he's like, yeah, this is our this is our doc space. You know, he's not a real doctor, but it's all that we got. <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, man, come on. <laughs> like, I get it. You yeah, know, I'm not yeah. a real, I'm not a real doctor, but it's like, you know, I used to tell the guys that I was a, uh, I was a glorified witch doctor on a war canoe. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if I thought that, uh, if I thought that shaking a uh, baggie full of uh, chicken bones over your belly would, would make you feel better, I'd try it, you know? Yeah. Um, hopefully my physician supervisor is not listening to this right now. Um, <laughs> What did uh what do they do as far as like cuz I, I was always curious about this for IDCs in particular like what do you guys how does how does it being a, an IDC or a submarine IDC translate to the civilian world as far as like if you got out what job do you go get like cuz you're not a LPN you're not a EMT you're not a like where and is there any plan for any kind of like licensure or licensor licensure? I don't know if I said that right. Any like licensing or like uh certification or whatever for you guys to 
have some kind of parity with the outside world. So uh, to answer your question, there really isn't anything that directly translates. Um, mm. If I don't, uh, so in all reality, right? You know, you gotta you gotta constantly be moving forward. And you gotta you know you gotta work to get your education right. and things like that. That's all kind of like standard fare for you know the Navy across the board. Um, you know, but there really isn't a civilian equivalent to a IDC. The closest I think we could get. Uh, to what I do as a physician's assistant out okay. in the civilian world. And right. um, kind of an interesting fact, um, the position of PA was developed or created because of the independent duty corpsman. Uh, a lot oh, of doctors, so. well, a lot of doctors were getting out and we've, you know, IDCs have been around for a long time. Right. Um, doctors were getting out of the military, getting out of the Navy going, I want, you know, I want something to kind of help me and be, you know, this kind of force multiplier mm-hmm. and, you know, um, you know, through no- a number of channels, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, diluting the process down a little bit, but, um, the PA is derived from the IDC. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that would be as close as, um, as close as it, you know, kind of gets, um, to what I do, but, right. um, up at actually pretty recently, um, the uniform school or the, uh, it's uses and I'm, it's the, uh, university of, or the uniform school of, uh, health sciences. Um, you, I'm forgetting, I'm, yeah, yeah, absolutely blanking on the acronym, but they uh, they sent a representative out from the College of Applied Health Sciences, mm-hmm. and um, either either effective as of you know the class that's in the schoolhouse right now, um, or shortly after that, um, IDC school is going to be a credit like the credits you get from IDC school is going to translate to undergraduate level. Uh, college credits. Okay, good. So yeah, if you, that, that was kind of what I was curious about is like, so if you don't leave this IDC schoolhouse as a PA or whatever equivalent, like is, what does it translate towards like you're talking about? So, a tra- so if you, if you show up to, and this is for all the, you know, the junior corpsmen that are possibly listening that might be interested. If you go to the schoolhouse and you've got you know, prerequisites done for an associate's degree, right? And you finish school, you will graduate and be able to get awarded a associate's degree. If you've got an associate's and all your prerequisites and everything that, you know, that requires and you finish the schoolhouse, you you can be awarded a bachelor's from the College of Applied Health Sciences. Okay. So that's a new that's a new thing that's, that's awesome. Like I said, either forthcoming or it's, or they've implemented it. Um, I'm not sure where we're at, uh, at this current state or right. current stage, um, in the process, but, um, I just sat through a lecture. Um, we've aligned our curriculum with, um, with, uh, you know, uh, these kind of these required textbooks that mm. are going to ultimately translate to a college education for the people that graduate the school, which is, which is fantastic. That's awesome. Um, I wonder if, uh, have you read anything about the new, like the forthcoming community college of the Navy or like Navy community college? I have. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I saw kind of a little, like an info flyer thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, I mean the air force has had it yep. for a long time. Yep. Um, I, that's what are, I was I, complaining about it. Cause I, I worked with a bunch of air force guys and yeah, that was, that was something that they told me about. I'm like, why don't we have that? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's it, um, talking to the uh, he was a retired chief master sergeant or mm-hmm. uh, Air Force E9. Yeah. Um, who was a representative from 
from a CAHS. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, the re there's a, there's one kind of glaring reason the Navy doesn't have it. And it's just because nobody ever really did it. Right. You know, which is um, the Air Force. Yeah. And the Air Force has had it for a number of years and, you know, uh, Air Force airmen have really benefited, benefited from that. Um, just on my kind of precursory glance, you know, you're checking your email, you're like, oh, that's neat. Um, it looks like it's not going to affect TA. So if you're already in a degree program or whatever, um, um, it's not going to affect that, but, um, it's going to open up the door for a lot of these kind of technology based ratings or technology based degree plans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you like, if you're a, if you're a junior sailor listening to this right now, and you are not actively engaged in pursuing higher education, you, you really need to, um, it, it took me up until, you know, I'm here at almost 11 years, um, to really get serious about my, my college education. And it's, you know, yeah. it's, I, it's I a mean, shame. Like, I, did I should my, have started. Yeah. I did my culinary degree on my first shore duty and it was, it was brutal. Like, cause I had to be in a lab and, uh, I had to drive pretty far to get that done. So it was like, when I got done with that, I, I started bachelor's courses and I was just so burnt out that I was like, all right, I'm going to pause and I'll start again later or whatever. Yeah. And then when I got to shore duty for the A school, uh, after the special projects, uh, platform I was on, I was, I was like, I really don't want to do that. I took like two classes and I was just like, ugh, like, I don't want to go through this like merciless schedule of like working. I, I was instructing. It was, I was pretty busy for as far as shore duties go. I was pretty, I was pretty freaking busy because we were on, uh, perpetually under man. So I was like, I don't really want to go and to school full time. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. So you're at a school and you've got like just the sheer volume that an a school instructor, like, like instructs and educates mm. and guides and mentors. It's just, it's, it seems completely overwhelming. Yeah. I, I just know, wanted to have a little more balance in my life for once. So I decided after yeah. those two classes, which I barely passed by the way, cause I was just so busy and I wasn't into it. Um, yeah. So I, I, t- I didn't pursue it on that shore duty. Uh, and then we just did our boat and then, yeah, so I, I started back up recently. I just finished my first two classes and was like, it was pretty brutal taking two cause it was condensed too, which I didn't realize. So I'll, I'll be taking one at a time cause it's eight week terms, but yeah, I definitely just the nature of it in the military of it being free. Like, why would you not like that? That's what, that's the, oh, absolutely. cause I'm like a, if we got down the rabbit hole of like the value of quote unquote higher education in the United States right now and like how it translates to the workforce and crushing student debt and blah 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 like I'm much more on the like championing like trades and certifications and alternative methods and blah 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 but like at the same time it's like it's free so like when I walk out of the military at 40 years old and like I have all this experience and that's great but how does it translate? I need, I need something saying that. Yeah. Like I, I have some kind of an education in this career field also, because as a 40 year old man, I'm not going to be starting a trade. Probably not anyway. I mean, if I got, yeah. So it's like, I'm going to walk, it's going to be a different thing. So it's like, if you, and and there are career fields where you very much need a degree, you know what I mean? Like, Uh, yeah. Yours, yours being one of them, you know, exactly. Um, you, uh, it's, it's, somewhat frowned upon to uh perform surgery on somebody if you're not a doctor (laughs) unless Um, you're you you know you could do appendectomies and stuff right (laughs) yeah but that's not anything i mean (laughs) like generally they're like just 
hit them with all of the antibiotics <laughs> that you've got before you have to cut on them. And yeah. if they're like, hey, you know, I'm trying all this stuff. I think this guy's dying. Uh, they'll go. All right. All fine. right. Just <laughs> do just, your, uh, do you your know, best. <laughs> um, you know, uh, like hope you uh, hope you do it. OK. Um, and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, we had to learn this. We had to learn this procedure called a cardiosynthesis mm. in the event that somebody has, you know, the, the heart's got this like kind of rigid um uh, sack around it, the pericardial sack, yeah. and it doesn't stretch, right? So if you've got a if you've got a bleed inside that sack, uh, yeah. it's just going to bleed and compress the heart, so the heart's not beating as effectively. So right. that's a that's a Hong Kong, you know, <laughs> that's a that is like I'm not gonna I'm not trying not to try not yeah, to swear no, on this I'm thing, but you know, um, that is like that is the oh my gosh moment where yeah. you're like I and they they were like yeah if you have this. Um, you don't have ultrasound on the boat. And if you absolutely have to do this, you have to like find these landmarks and you take this long needle and then, you know, <laughs> insert it in here. And you're, I'm sitting there going, I, uh, I don't ever want to do that. Like, I, I don't ever want to yeah. do like you, you, like as a junior corpsman, as you know, meeting that, that guy I talked about, you know, that I met early into my career, uh, my core school instructor, like, you know, and then reading up on guys like Walter Lipes that did an appendectomy under the polar ice caps. And, you know, he had his navigator holding a, a coffee filter soaked in ether over this guy to, to anesthetize him. Um, you're like, oh, my gosh, wow. that's so cool. Wow, that's <laughs> that's really cool. Until you're the uh, one doing you, it. <laughs> and then you there you like the hatch shuts and they're like, you know, they we hit the dive point and they're like, dive, dive. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> uh That's yeah. Crazy. Um yeah. it's kinda it's kinda cool um being at the schoolhouse right now. Um, you know, getting to talk to all these other guys that are recently off their boats for their first, you know, their first tour, except for that one guy that did five years on his yeah. boat. Like he's, you know, he's a seasoned veteran. <laughs> yeah. But um talking to these guys that did, you know, that came off their boat. And like, I, I'll tell you personally, I, I couldn't sleep for the first two to three days we got underway. I um, believe it. Because you're, you're like, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, ands or buts about it. You're scared. Yeah. Um, yeah. That hatch closes. Anytime you hear the one MC click, you're wondering if it's going to yep. be a, is, uh, is this the one? <laughs> is this it? You know? And, um, yeah, you know, you get these, uh, um, you get these one MCs or these intercom messages that, you know, say Corman lay to wherever. Right. And the immediate, the immediate thing going through your head is, you know, you're like your body moves without you even telling it to, yeah. right. you just start, you start moving that direction and your brain is going a mile a minute going through all your algorithms and you're thinking, all right, well, you know, I'm looking at, you know, is this a trauma? Am I going through the March algorithm? Is this a, you know, is this a cardiac thing? Am I going through, you know, do I need to grab ACLS or I need to go through this? Um, all right, if they've got this, I've got this, if, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. And you're like every possible scenario you could dream up in the, in the yep. less than one minute it takes to get from one end <laughs> of the boat to the other, um, is going through your head and, uh, you get back after the engine room and you know, it's just a, it's a, a thing inserted for training and yeah. you're like, uh, then you get that immediate, got like me again, <laughs> It's like, you know, you can't help but feel yeah. a little emotional when you get right. back there. And I probably owe a couple people an apology for throwing a med bag at them. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, you know, you, I, it's, I, it's could, a, I it's did the scary. same thing when I, when I was standing dive, man, like the first handful of times I stood chief of the watch and used to boat and then first handful of time. I mean, for dive, there was something different about it where like 
I would I would pre-scout the night orders the night before to see what we were doing. And I'd like run through the book and I never stopped doing this. I mean, I stood dive for two whole patrols and I just for some reason there was like this anxiety about it all the time where I would I would just PD trips or like if we were alert or whatever, like there's just all this stuff that can go wrong all the time. And there's something about being responsible for safety of ship that just like. I was like never not on edge. And so I was like, I'd lay awake in my rack thinking about it, stressing out for no reason about things I can't control. And it's just like, but it was like, am I prepared? Am I ready? Do I know all the things, you know? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I, you, you do the trainer so much and like the submarine force is really, really good about just drilling it and driving it home. Yeah. Um, You know, so I think that they, they do kind of, they drill out the the human factor and some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that you could ever really get rid of that, you know, and it, and it to, in my opinion, in my humble, you know, in my humble Corman opinion, um, I think the moment you, you stop feeling uh, that, that level of anxiety um, is the moment you really start becoming dangerous to the people sure. around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I, I, uh, Anytime I heard the uh, the curtain to the bunk room open, I I my eyes opened up, except for one time when um, the sonar senior chief uh, came in and he was like, "Doc, when you sleep, you die." And uh, <laughs> we tried to wake you up for like a solid fifteen minutes, brother. Like, what's going on? Like, like did that's you funny. like did you reach into my rack and like put hands on me? Yeah. So, no, I'd never do that. I'm like, well, that's what you need to do. Yeah. Like, you need me? like like cross the threshold. Don't worry. I, wanna, I don't sleep yeah. naked. I'm going to I'm going to get a just a like audio recording of the general alarm. And when I need to wake somebody up like that, just go play it next to their head, because I'll tell you what, man, if you want to get me out of a coma, just start making those bongs go off. I will fly out of bed and it like never fails every single time I've ever heard it go off. I just like because I, I for, you're, yeah, you're up. Yeah, I forget where I heard something similar one time and it was just like I went from zero to a hundred like real quick and then like i mean i was in seattle with my fiance and her family and somebody in a coffee shop said code red and i jumped off the couch and was like (laughs) and they're like what are you doing and then i immediately stopped and just looked real weird and like took a look around the room and i'm like i'm gonna sit back down (laughs) like and i i I, I had to go go on and explain myself it was funny yeah. Yeah. When you have to explain what, like what you're doing <laughs> while you're screaming at them, what are they doing? Um, yeah. my, when I came home from my very first patrol, um, my, I came home, I'm sleeping in my bed, uh, for the first time in like a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my wife was up late and she was watching this submarine documentary on TV for some reason, because she was probably trying to like understand yeah. something or like, she was like, Oh, well, like, you know, maybe that's what he was going through yeah. because, you know, without a doubt, you know, the, you know, the, the people we leave behind when we go underway, they're, you know, they don't know it's, it's more foreign. Like we don't, we don't know what to expect on the boat for the most, for, you know, sometimes they 100% don't know what to expect. So, um, you know, I, my, my wife is watching the submarine documentary or something, something like that. It had, (laughs) it was on TV and it was submarines and And there was an alarm or something. (laughs) The, the general alarm goes off on the TV and my, my out of bed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking around and I'm staring at my closet, which was right next to the bed. And I'm like, Oh, and she goes, what? You? She's terrified. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, what are you doing? Like, oh, nothing. 
I'm like, you did what, this to me. What's going on? What's going on here? And she's like, I'm watching TV. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, don't do that. I'm like, oh Change the channel right okay? now. That's hilarious. Like, where's where's my EAB? Where's the fire extinguisher? Where's you know? Yeah. Where do I need to go? Yeah. It's like, oh no, wait, I'm home. Yeah, that's Ugh. hilarious. <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, like you ever you ever ninja out of your bed where you like you're oh my you're, god. Yeah. Like it defies like I'm an old guy now, I feel. Oh yeah. yeah. And I like I jumped out of bed like I was a freaking oh, yeah. deer. Adrenal- like adrenaline adrenaline is the fountain of youth, man. And as soon as that wears off, you're gonna realize what you've done that was so terribly wrong to your joints and whatever uh, else. Cause yeah, yeah, I'll be fine until I spin down. But yeah, that's yeah. Or you like, you know, you wake up and you're sore from sleeping now, you know. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, man. Uh, let's but. let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about some chief stuff. Right. So okay, uh, let's do it. So what? And I, I this is a conversation that me and a couple other guys have been wanting to have. I'm trying to get uh, another chief that was one of my A school instructors that's in her first year. But um, what? Like, what has changed as far as? I mean, first, really, your perspective. Uh, as far as recently a first class, you did a entire tour uh, as an IDC on a submarine. And then you and correct me if I'm wrong, you ch- you effectively like checked in and found out you or like right before you checked in and were still on leave, you found out you're selected, right? Yeah. So I was uh, I was supposed to check into instructor school on the 3rd of August right. and the results came out on the 31st and I get a call from get a call from Cobb yeah. and uh, he's like, congratulations. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was, I still had about, you know, uh, four days of, uh, four days of transfer leave left. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, uh, not anymore, <laughs> uh, not anymore. So, no. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, it was, it was 100% oh, yeah. worth it for sure. Um, yeah. So what, you know. what changed for you as far, like, so you go through the process, which we don't need to, I've talked ad nauseum about that, but you go through the process, you're pinned and now you're chief. Like, so as far as stepping through the looking glass goes for you, what has changed your perspective on the mess from being an outsider to transitioning into it? Um, that, you know, that's actually a pretty, pretty tough question. Um, you know, being an IDC, we're already kind of, you know, um, you know, we kind of like operate because we're such a small community anyway, we kind of operate similar to, but not exactly the same as the mess does. Um, I would say that, you know, as a junior sailor, I always looked to the chief's mess as these, you know, kind of like larger than life guys. And then you get into the mess and you're like, you know, these, like, these are, these are at the end of the day, we're all sailors, you know, and these are just guys that, um, you know, that are, that have been doing the job a lot long, you know, a lot longer than some other people have. Um, but I think that, um, the biggest, the biggest change for me was, um, I don't know, like people are just, yeah. The expectation is that you're going to, you're going to ask for help, I guess. I I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really, what I'm trying to get at is like the, a lot of the perceptions that, E6 and below have of chiefs from the outside looking in. Right. I always, I try to have the conversation with a lot of people on the podcast, on Reddit, whatever, whoever I can get to sit down and talk to me about like why they have those, those perceptions true or not. Right. Cause some of them are yeah. based in reality and some of them are based in just ignorance of the process and what happens 
in inside the 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 mess, right? But positive or negative perceptions, reality or not, how did those types of perceptions change for you when you got to step through the looking glass, right? Like now that you're on the other side of it, you had, I'm sure, or at least understood from conversations with all of those sailors that you interacted with all the time on the boat, right? That like you had these these preconceived notions about what being a chief is and what the mess is like and what nefarious things happen behind the curtain. So like, how did that perspective that you had before shift now that now that you're in it? Um, well, uh, actually, um, well, one kind of good thing comes to mind. Um, DRB. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I thought it was just as a, you know, as a young guy, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was just, uh, you know, you go into the chief's quarters and the chiefs just scream at you and yell at you, tell you you're, you're garbage. And, you know, they, you basically like, they're going to, you know, bop you on the nose for, you know, you making a mistake. Right. Um, but I, uh, having recently sat one for, you know, a good, a good sailor who made a mistake, um, it's 100% not like that. Um, you know, as a junior sailor, you like, you, you can't help but kind of at times fear the chief like chief is gonna chief's gonna yell at me he's gonna swear at me he's gonna you know he's gonna treat me like i'm i'm an idiot right but like when you really when it comes down to brass tacks that chief is 100 fighting for you in that in that quarters um i sat i sat a drb for a sailor that was outside of my command because the command he was at um didn't didn't have a whole lot of chiefs it's right. this weird um, I'm not going to say which command because I don't want to give away yeah, yeah. the information about the guy, but, um, you know, a, a good, a good guy, like honest, like hardworking guy who made a mistake, uh, because he had, like we talked about earlier, he had kind of those external factors affecting him. Right. And, um, you know, not, nothing that he couldn't, he couldn't come back from, he can't come back from nothing that's really going to, you know, it's not a career killer for him by any right. means, but, um, that we didn't go in there. We didn't yell at him. You know, yeah. we, we wanted to know what his side of the story was. We talked to him, we treated him like an adult because he is an adult, mm -hmm. you know, while respecting the kind of the decorum of, um, where like the venue, you know, because it is, it is a, a formal thing. Um, and, uh, that was something that kind of like opened my eyes up. Um, you know, the, the chief is not, you know, there's, I'm not going to say that every chief is a, is a good guy out there or a good, you know, not every chief is good um, because it, that'd be completely naive and, and just absolutely, it'd be, it'd be a lie. Sure. Um, there's bad, there are bad people out there just like there, you know, there's good cops, there's bad cops, there's, yeah. you know, there's good people in the church, there's bad people in the church. It doesn't matter where you go, right? People are people and there are good and bad people. Um, but by and large, um, you know, you, you walk into this chief's mess and you're looking at a bunch of sailors that have been in for, you know, uh, just a complete wide range of time that all kind of have a unified goal. And that's to do what they can to take care of their guys. Um, and I think early into the season or shortly after the season, you and I had a conversation mm -hmm. about, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to learn where I kind of fell short and I want to know where I, where I fell short. Uh, not for any sort of self-deprecating reason or anything like that, but just because 
you know, sometimes the self-reflection thing is only is, is limited and you can only go so far with that. But, um, you know, you go into the chief's mess and they're going to let you know, you know, like, Hey, you, this, this is not good. Um, but you know, as a first class, you know, you kind of have a little bit of that in the, in the first class association and things like that. Um, I didn't really experience that. And my, you know, everyone's experience is going to differ a little bit, but I didn't really experience that too much in the second class association. I was a member of the JEA. I did all of that stuff. Um, you know, you kind of get a little bit of that, you know, that, you know, fraternity type camaraderie, um, in the first class association, but you know, like I could, I could go into the, the chief's quarters today, uh, or tomorrow or whatever, um, with something on my mind. And one of, one of the guys is going to go, what's going on What yeah. you need and how can I help you? Right. Um, they're not going to do it for you, but and, and in contrast to that, if you, if you're like, you know, Hey, this just dropped hot in my lap. Um, you know, like a, like a dirty diaper. Um, Hey, I need, I need help with this. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? I need help with this. Um, yeah. the answer is rarely, if ever, no. Right. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that going into like actually got into the mess and, uh, you know, I'm still learning every day. Right. Um, I was taught kind of as, you know, you go and you talk to all the, you know, everybody. And I was taught that, you know, the, the mess is kind of like a bank account, right? You can make withdrawals, but you have to eventually make deposits too. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that that's, that is 100% like honest, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, the, like the biggest thing that's changed is, um, you know, once you get past the, uh, you know, kind of that, that cool, like, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm a shiny new turd type right. thing uh, <laughs> where you walk, you know, come through the gate and they're like, what's up well, chief? Good morning, like, who? chief, who? you know, <laughs> like, like looking oh behind my you. gosh, that's, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, once you get past that and you realize that, well, you know what that really means. Um, you know, it's, uh, so I, so I go and I see clinic, um, you know, at least, at least 10 patients per month up here on shore duty. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, not like the, the junior corpsman at the, at the clinic up here, you know, they come and they have stuff to, uh, um, stuff to ask me. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, they come in and they're like, Oh, you know, um, chief, what do I, what do I do about this? And it's like, Oh, um, well, this is what I did about this, you know, or this is what the instruction says to do about this type mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, uh, I think there's a, there's a little bit, uh, a higher level of expectation. Um, so I checked into the command, um, you know, went through, uh, went through the season, got pinned and then, uh, you know, became the, uh, the commands, uh, your analysis program coordinator. Yeah. No big deal or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome no big aboard, deal or anything. Boot. <laughs> You're the P guy. And, um, yeah, I'm the, yeah, I'm the, I'm the P guy now. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, this is the first time I've, ever done anything your analysis related that was you know that was like an administrative program rather than like a you know like i've run your analysis before yeah but it was like medical labs and stuff yeah it's like i'm not like and there's uh you don't realize how um administratively heavy that program is until you're actually doing it right um because you know up until up until i became the upc i'm you know i'm walking around like, Oh yeah, these weird guys just want me to pee in this cup every once in a while. And you know, I don't know what they do with it. Yeah. Um, but I, 
you know, so that like, I didn't know, I, I never had any sort of like actual training about that. And they're like, yeah, you're the UPC now and do the NKO um, or do the NKO and, your, and fig, figure it your out. Letter. Yeah. Read the book, figure it out. Yep. It's generally. And, um, and fortunately for me, I have a, I have a very, very outstanding HM1 that's been doing the program for a little bit. So we do have kind of like that, you know, that overlap type, yeah. um, type thing. And, um, she's fantastic. She's, you know, um, more or less like I had to eat a big old hu- slice of humble pie and be like, Hey, H1, yeah. I've never done this before. And I, I really don't want to mess this but up. That's a, Can you help me? Exactly what you should be doing. Like yeah. that's what I, and mo- a lot of people have a big problem with that. And I'm going to ask you a follow on question uh, when you're done about why we're, why we have to humble ourselves in that moment, which like, everybody's got a certain level of pride and I get it, but like why is it not just a norm for us to be comfortable asking those types of questions? Because I guarantee that HM one respects you a a lot more than she may have. If you hadn't been willing to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know why we don't do that more. I think, I think part of it is, um, you know, people, you know, you, you put on an anchor and you're, you know, you feel, and like through the season, you're, you're, taught that like you hey you gotta you know you gotta be sure with your answers you don't shoot from the hip you know Mm. um and i think that you know you're as a first year chief i can i can absolutely attest to the fact that i like i'm I'm afraid to you know there are times that i'm afraid to speak because i don't necessarily have a hundred percent of the answer and you know it's like you know i'll get asked questions about this yeah you know i i'm like i honestly don't know um let me I'll look it up if you, you know, if you want me to. And they go, no, nah, I can just, I can just look it up. It's like, all yeah. right, man, sorry. Do you, um, f- but with this H. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, with this, with this HM1, um, it's like, hey, uh, you know, I know the program requires an E7 or above as the, as the UPC. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've never done this before and you've been doing it for a lot longer than me. For um, sure. I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess this up. Yeah. Please, you know, help me. Um, and in turn, like, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to make her be the, you know, the only person that's processing these samples or right. these specimens and doing all the paperwork and everything like that. So like today she was on podium, she's teaching. Yeah. Um, I did, I did your analysis today. Now she absolutely freaking covered my, you know, covered down and covered, you know, backed me up on it by, because, you know, you can only have, um, the database on one computer. Yeah. Um, so she she generated the roster and she generated right. the labels. She did a lot of the administrative work for me. I just collected, you know, I just uh, basically facilitated these collections, the, yeah. You know, the collection and you know, got the guy that was going to witness the urine leaving the body. Mm-hmm. Um and uh you know, but she uh she helped me out and I, you know, I I really try to do my best to, you know, carry my my share of the weight because Right. Just just because she's got it, you know, she's got it down pat doesn't mean that she's got to do all of it. Well, know? but and your ability to carry that weight, it it is very much dependent on and it's OK that it is her training you like her willingness to and your willingness to receive that training. Um, do you think that like your discomfort with either saying something like you were like you mentioned before or just your discomfort with being wrong in a situation stems from kind of almost like an unattainable standard that we've created for ourselves 
uh, it's something I've talked a bunch about with, uh, I talked to, uh, Paul Kingsbury about it when I did that episode with him and from a fleet mass chief level, he's saying that we've created an unattainable standard for ourselves. So like, is that, is it, do you feel like when you, when you went through the season and when we communicate these standards, whether you think they're unrealistic or not, like, does it feel like some of that stuff is unattainable and maybe needs refocusing because when you're in those situations or is it, do you think it's just like a growth thing like that you're, you're new to the game and you got to figure it out and, and learn those things by doing. And then eventually you'll be comfortable in, in your new role. So, um, I, I think it's a, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I definitely feel like they're, they're a large part of it is, just me being new, uh, me being, uh, me being, you know, a new chief and, um, kind of being inexperienced as a chief, which is, uh, you know, every, we all got to start somewhere. Um, but I don't, I don't think that, um, I think that like a standard should be kind of, um, set high right. and, you know, considering like kind of the, the caliber of the chief's mess, you know, like, like I said before, right. There's going to be people that are going to be like, Oh, the chief's mess is broken and yeah. you know, messed up and everything like that. But I think by and large, I think the chief's mess has set a, a standard. And, you know, if you're setting a standard and you're consistently meeting that standard, right. Um, it's like, it's like lifting weights. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're putting up 225. And you're like, oh man, I got to get to 225. This is the standard. I got to lift 225. You're never going to grow because, right. you know, if you're not, if you set a standard that, you know, everybody, every, this is the minimum standard here and everybody meets the minimum standard, right? Then you're going to get stagnant. And that minimum standard is now going to become kind of irrelevant because like standards are kind of meant to increase, right? You should, yeah. you should be kind of, I, I, I mean, that's, I mean, kinda, I, don't, yeah. I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like, you know, if, um, you know, if the standard is everybody shows up to work and their boots are, are shined or they're polished to a mere finish, right. And then everybody shows up and their boots are polished to a mere finish, right. Hey, well, that's a, that's a fantastic standard, but you know, is that, is that enough? Like, okay, everyone's showing up and their boots are shined and their boots are polished, but they're spending a lot of time polishing their boots and, you know, and, and that's great. Um, you know, and now you got a division that's rocking you know these shiny these shiny boots um you know are you really like developing any like are there should always try to kind of like strive for more in my opinion you know like, yeah i think that so i think that they're in some ways they're separate where what you're saying is like like you can have a high standard and that's great i don't think standards by definition should be a moving target uh as far as like it like could they eventually evolve sure but like they, they should for, for for a large part, I think be static so that everybody understands what they are and they're well communicated. But I think that w- kind of what I'm getting at is like it, we set those standards high and we should, and I agree with you, but yeah. I think we also need to create an acceptability that, and in, like an awareness of us being just a human organization that is figuring it out and growing just like everybody else. And I don't think, I think sometimes we use mechanisms like, chief's pride and the creed and some of the boundaries we've created between us and and junior enlisted to create this like image that we've got all the answers and it's not okay for us to be wrong or human right we're not i think we took some of the humanity out of the equation so that when junior sailors on the outside looking in they they see that as like we're supposed to be this infallible organization and i think we created that image for ourselves unfortunately 
so that a guy like you is being in the role as a new chief feels that like I can't I can't screw up because not just have we created that image for ourselves, but like that image is a collective. Right. So it's like you're worried that you're going to like tarnish the image and it's like, eh, shouldn't it just be OK like to to take yeah. a few lumps and grow as a result? I, I yeah, I think so. Um, I think that a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, kind of my personal my personal um uh, feelings in that kind of that aspect are, are, are just that there, you know, I, um, my personal standards are, are kind of set a little, you know, uh, like we all have our own personal kind of like compass and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's not like, I don't feel afraid to ask for help. Right. Um, and it's not, I don't, and the, the, um, the season didn't make me feel afraid to ask for help or afraid to fail or afraid to fall. Um, but that kind of that personal pride or that personal mm. whatever you want to call it um, has kind of, you know, I, I don't I there are times when I'm like, I should know this. And it's not because I'm a chief. It's because, you know, I should know this. Okay. And there's times where it's like, um, you know, I feel silly for asking this because I can totally just, you know, I could probably look this up and kind of get the uh, the black and white answer for this. But I kind of I'm asking more of a how did you do this type thing? Yeah. Like I know what the instruction says, but you know, I want to know how you did this because you know, sometimes um, like we, like we talked about, you know, the instruction is going to give you kind of the, the right and left limits. Um, but you know, it's not going to necessarily answer all of your questions in between that. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like the um, I maybe, maybe my interpretation of, you know, the image that the, the chief's mess has, has created, developed, um, kind of evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel like that has put me at a kind of a disadvantage or, or made me feel like I can't, um, that it's, that it's wrong for me to, you know, to, to mess up or, or to make a mistake. Um, I think that maybe, maybe in my, and this is just, this is just me kind of spitballing here. I think maybe, um, maybe the stand, maybe I'm thinking of it as different than a standard, um, as like maybe a different term or a different definition, um, rather than like a standard, uh, maybe it's a, like, like an image or a, um, gosh, I am really not great with, uh, with words right now. (laughs) Sorry, man. Do you think Um, it's culturally okay? Like from what you've seen so far, do you think it's culturally okay for a chief to do what you did in that role with like your, um, assistant UPC where they, not just like screw up, right? Because obviously the goal is to not. Uh, we're gonna stumble, yeah. but the in the role where like I've never done this before, you clearly have, and you're clearly an expert on it. Teach me. Like, do you think it's culturally okay for a chief to do that when interacting with juniors? I th- I think so, and yeah. I think it should okay. be. I think it should be encouraged. Well, I'm saying um, I'm saying like I think we both agree that it should be. But from what you've seen, do you think that it, it in real life that basically like all the chiefs that you interact with that it's like culturally as an organization okay for for that to happen? Yeah, I think I th- I think by and large it is. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think it. No, I don't think that that's what happens. You know, as a as a rule. Um, okay. I don't and for and I don't know why that. I don't know why that would be. Um, you know, I don't think that I, I think that there's a lot of egos in the mess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and um I think that there are people that maybe are not 
as open to the idea of asking a junior sailor for for help or to to train them. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, um, at least from my mess, at least from the the chief the chiefs that I've um, gotten to know over the last six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there's, you know, like the culture, at least it, from my point of view, um, isn't, doesn't support not asking for help regardless, you know, like they, like throughout the entire season, they're like, Hey, you know, information travels both directions mm. and leadership is a two way street and right. training and mentorship is a two way street as well. Right. Um, I think that like the, the, the fool is the man who recognizes he doesn't have the information and doesn't ask, doesn't seek it out. Right. You know, um, it, it really, it really takes, um, you know, yeah, sometimes you got to eat that big slice of humble pie, uh, case in point. I have never, uh, up until like yesterday, um, I'm sorry, Monday, I had never run the alcohol detection device. Um, yeah. I've never done the breathalyzer thing. Um, you know, I've done the paperwork. I've collected samples for your analysis, but there was a there's another person over here, um, another uh, or he's HM two. He should be an HM one soon. Um, you know, he uh, he does the ADD, mm-hmm. and um, I'd never done that before. I had a junior sailor check in as a rad health tech, and she you know does the alcohol detection device breathalyzer thing, yeah, and blows a point one eight. Neat, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> wow. And then I said, okay. Well, let's uh, let's reset the machine. Yeah, maybe there, you know, maybe yeah. something happened. Um, I said, blow on it, that, blow on this again, and she blows a point one nine, and I'm like, oh my god! Did you, you switch <laughs> um, machines? We didn't. We so we have one, like have to one. my knowledge, we have one machine right now. We have like like I said, we've got oh, like wow. twenty people at my company. We had one on the um, boat that was malfunctioning, and for some reason, I, like over the course of three duty days, I had it blow false positives. And then I'd switch and it was all zeros. So I was just like, finally, after a while, I just threw it away. I was because I was asking, I'm like, do I got to tell anybody or can I just throw this in the garbage? I finally just got rid of it because it, that's what kept happening to duty chiefs. They were freaking out like, oh, my God, you're drunk. And it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, we just. Well, this. Yeah. She. Yeah. She absolutely did not look like she was, you know. Yeah. Um, greater than twice the, the legal limit. Right. Um, she wasn't acting intoxicated. I'm like, there's something weird going on here. Right. And I look at HM1 and I'm like, hey, uh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. And I don't think this is right. And this is what happened. She goes, oh, she tries it herself, mm-hmm. blows a zero. And right. I'm like, oh, crap. This, you know, this HA, this <laughs> hospital man apprentice yeah. is here and is tanked out of her gourd right now. Like, uh, But she's like maintaining like, yeah, you know, she's just oh really good gosh. at playing it off. She's really, really good at this, which means there's like a deeper, deeper rooted issue there. <laughs> um, and then one of the other HM1s goes, or she like this HM1, my my AUPC hmm. turns and goes, just happens to see the the uh the junior sailor chewing gum. Oh, okay. And I didn't, I didn't catch her chewing gum. Right. And most, most of us know that, you know, gum has these sugar alcohols yeah. in it because it's sugar free, but it's not really, you know, it's uh, but yeah, it's these like sugar alcohols mm. in there. And she goes, are you chewing gum? And the HA goes, yeah. And I'm like, shit, mate. You're not supposed to chew gum, chew gum in uniform. uniform. <laughs> what are you doing? And uh, yeah, then this funny. other H1 goes, 
you didn't even ask her if she was chewing gum and i'm like yeah. i didn't see her chewing gum like yeah. oh my god like i feel like a complete idiot but yeah. it was you know Love at the end of the day it was like hey you know what i i learned um i do feel like i feel a little silly for uh you know for goofing that up but yeah. you know um at the end of the day, nobody got hurt. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, I, I, I think I was upgraded. I was yeah, educated. I think there's know? value in like them seeing those things happen too, where it's like, you're allowed to be human. And as long as you're okay with it and you react to it positively, like it sounds like he did. I mean, I think there's value in both the brand new HA and HM1 being, being able to interact with you in that way. Like it's going to create a comfort level and an acceptability that like you're a human being and you're aware that you're just a human being and you're not a f- superhero because you're wearing anchors. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're, you're not putting on a cape here. You're weighing, yeah. you're, you're weighing yourself down pretty heavy. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like um, I, I don't feel like the, at least I, I can only speak from my own perspective, my own point of view here, but I don't think the, uh, the mess is really fostered or continues to foster a, um, environment or an attitude or an atmosphere that you're, you're supposed to portray this infallibility. Um, because at the end of the day, like you said, we're people right. and people make mistakes. Um, you know, um, but I can see, why some people may feel like they, you know, they have to be the tip top of their game. They have to be, you know, this, you know, I, I can't make a mistake because if I make a mistake, then it, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, chief doesn't know what he's talking about or chief doesn't know what she's talking about, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's where things get dangerous. You know, yeah, I think it closes you off. Um, it makes you less approachable to your junior, your junior sailors, which, is like 100% what we do. Right. You know, like that's, that's the job is, uh, I'm going to totally misquote this too, but our base CMC said that there's, our job is three, like we only have three things on our work list. It's people, it's equipment and it's readiness, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, you, that's, that's 100% what we do. Yeah. I um, mean, you could make the argument that people plus equipment equals readiness <laughs> to a large degree yeah. anyway. It's like a Venn diagram, whatever that is. Yeah. I think it's circles over circles. Flow charts you know, or no something. Math. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm no math <laughs> magician here. Um, I just, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a dumb corpsman. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, that's that's really what it is. I think that, um, you know, like we're, our, our job isn't supposed to be these like, you know, these freaking larger than life people that are lording over, you know, lording over these junior troops. Like, you know, like, listen to me, you yeah. peasant. Um, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're supposed to be um, kind of that, you know, that buffer, that, you know, that sounding board that, you know, kind of, I feel like what I did a lot on the boat, um, you know, like, I feel like the chief is supposed to be somebody that the junior sailor can always, like, like 100% undoubtedly knows is going to care about what's going on to them. Right. You know, Um even when everything else seems like it's turned against them, I feel like the chief should be the person that they can turn to and say, I need help. Yeah. Um, I need somebody just to listen. Um, and then you go into the, you go into the office and they go, my chief's a total jerk. And you're like, Hey man, that's me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, like I, I feel like you should be, a. uh, 
available to your guys. I feel like you should, you know, and, and it's like one of those like, well, I'm going to take care of my guys. What does that mean? Right. You know? Um, I, and I think it kind of boils down to, you know, being that approachable person that they understand is not perfect, that they understand is really just trying their hardest to, you know, to do the best that they can. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's at the end of the day, like that's all we, that's all we really can do. Yeah. You know, you can be the best corpsman in the world, but if you suck at taking care of people, then no one's going to tell you that they're, you know, that the chest hurts or that they can't breathe or that they're bleeding. You know, they're going to. They're going to wrap their freaking, you know, their finger nub up with a chem wipe and some EB red, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you got to be. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be the guy that, you know, even though you really, even though you got to sleep about 10 minutes before, yep. um, you know, you uh, and, you know, you, you got this, you know, he yeah, he's an officer, but he's still a relatively junior officer. And he comes in and he tells you that. You know, he's got this pretty benign thing that you're like, oh, man, this is an absolute waste of my time. But you think about it and it's like, obviously, this was this was important to him. Yeah. And, you know, if it's important to him, then it I should make him feel like it's important to me, too. Yeah. You know, all, all the while, you don't want it. You want to you don't want to, like, enable right. enable these guys either. Right. You know, um, but I, I that's why I was always like, you know, hey, listen. Um, would you pay a copay for this? You know, like give me $25 out of your pocket. And I, <laughs> I'm just joking. I never I collected any money from anybody, but, um, that's funny. You know, you like at the end, I'll tell you, I think I had one of your guys in my office, um, at one of our, on one of our patrols. And he said, you know what, doc, I've made up my mind. I'm ready to get off the boat. And I went, yeah, but me, me too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he came in and he had, you know, he said, I'm depressed, I'm sad. And, you know, and at the end of the day, he just needed, he just needed to talk to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I talk about that guy a lot. Yeah. You remember so when we I. had him in an eye patch? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was hilarious. All right, man, let's wrap this thing up. You got any save rounds? Or All right. Sounds good. No, I just, yeah. uh, you know, if you're, uh, you know, thanks for having, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, this, is, this has been really cool. Um, hope I didn't ramble on too much. That was good. Man. Um, but I think you can edit most of that in post, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I for sure. Edit. <laughs> so it'll be like twenty um, minutes long. It's fine. All right, that's perfect. Yeah, like nobody wants to listen to any of this garbage anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, like if uh, if you keep any of this stuff, you know, for the junior sailors out there, um, you know, like just don't be afraid to like kind of push. And you're like, I I always felt like, um, you know, the navy is the navy is an easy job, right? It's a it's an easy job. You just do a, you do a little bit more than what's expected of you and you get a lot more back from it. You yeah. know? Um, and I'm living proof of that. I, uh, you know, I took a hard job and it, you know, there were times that it was really, really like really hard and you kind of wonder why you did it. Yeah. Um, but, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm here talking to one of the, uh, one of the guys that I really looked up to, um, still do, uh, not, you know, I'm not freaking, you know, uh, yanking your chain or, you know, yeah. tooting your horn or any other like gross <laughs> profane thing, um, that we can only imagine. But, um, you know, like in, in all reality, you know, I, you, you got to work hard because nothing worth doing is, you know, is easy. Concur. All right, man. Well, thanks for right. doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, I hope you guys like that. Uh, again, I, I always do. He was a buddy of mine, so it was good to reconnect with him and, and have that conversation um, and get his perspective on the things that we did. Uh, f- fun fun dude, uh, <laughs> fun conversation. Uh, before, during, and after the podcast, fun conversation, like always. I, I usually spend some time kind of warming up and <laughs> explaining to them what they're getting themselves into. And then we usually, uh, usually talk for quite a while after we stop recording, but... It's always fun because uh, there's some stuff that, that, you know, doesn't need to be on mic, but uh, really enjoy the conversation and the content. Um, if you guys need anything from us, like always, hit us up. Don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the shit podcast or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit. Be patient with the responses. Uh, I know you guys saw this saw or, and hopefully listened to the spin the yarn that came out Friday. Uh, about my medical situation. So I'm currently laid up as you hear this, uh, recovering from a a pretty major surgery. And then, uh, I'll be back and to responding to you guys as soon as I can. Just, if you need anything, chief Bob will be kind of monitoring everything and answering questions as he can. If not, I'll get to them as soon as I possibly can. So just be patient with us. If you want to get something off the website, just be patient with the shipping times. Dgotpodcast.com slash shop. Um, t-shirts, stickers, magnets, all that stuff. But again, just just be patient with me. Uh, I will do it as soon as I possibly can and then have my fiance take him to the airport. But, um, but yeah, just it, it's, you know, you might just want to wait to be perfectly honest with you. And then uh, if you could... Like, share, subscribe, review on all the things and platforms, right? Sharing it on social media helps us get the word out. And then liking and or uh, reviewing and subscribing on platforms like iTunes really help us kind of get elevated in the little rankings and all the things so that, again, people get visibility on the platform for those that need it. Uh, so we would always appreciate that. And we always appreciate all the support. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs> <laughs>